turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome back, April 15th, 2021. Our ambassador to the United Nations, the position once held by Jean Kirkpatrick, is today held by one Linda Thomas Greenfield. She spoke to the National Action Network yesterday. That would be Al Sharpton's organization. And she said she wanted the U.S. to reengage the Human Rights Council of the United Nations. This would be the council chaired by countries from Saudi Arabia to Cuba, countries that wouldn't know the difference between human rights and a zoo. But she didn't, not, she didn't stop there. She went on to say, quote, Of course, when we raise issues of equity and justice at the global scale, we have to approach them with humility. The original sin of slavery weaved white supremacy into our founding documents and principles. Close quote. White supremacy is weaved into our founding documents and principles. This from the person representing the moral strength and position of the United States to the rest of the world. White supremacy is weaved into our founding documents and principles. There was a serious view of the veracity of that statement once upon a time. It was held by the Confederate States of America, the side of the Civil War, that backed, supported, defended, fought for, and justified slavery by claiming our founding was a lie. In other words, if you want serious support for the position that our founding was based in and on slavery and white supremacy, that view certainly existed. It just existed in the minds of those who started the Civil War and lost it. I never thought I'd see the day where social justice warriors and the woke would embrace the philosophy of the slave-defending side of the American Civil War. To put a fine point on it, Abraham Lincoln, Ulysses Grant, Frederick Douglass, so many, too many to mention, all thought our founders wanted to put slavery on the course of extinction. Their opponents, the Confederacy, from Jefferson Davis to Alexander Stevens to too many others on the wrong side of history to name, Lincoln's and Grant's opponents believed the founders meant to justify and embrace and protect slavery. The same view as our ambassador to the United Nations. The U.S. ambassador to the United Nations supports the Confederacy of the United States. That would be a heck of a headline. We'll never see it. It could not be more accurate. To understand how insidious this is, consider we have whole generations and now evidently official spokesmen and women for America that believe Lincoln was wrong and Jefferson Davis was right. They believe Roger Taney was right in his rendering of American history found in the Dred Scott decision that said the black man had no rights, which the white man is bound to respect. There was a dissent, too, actually, in the Dred Scott case. They saw our founding differently. They saw it as Martin Luther King and Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln saw it. 
That's a glorious liberty moment. Harry Jaffa put it this way. Justice Taney's opinion in Dred Scott was wrong for one paramount reason. He did not see that the Constitution, grounded in the principles of the Declaration of Independence, reflected any standard of justice other than the positive law. He did not see that the word person meant any human person, whatever his race, creed, or nation. In December 1860, Abraham Lincoln wrote to his old friend Alexander Stevens, who he hoped was still a friend and not an enemy. He wrote, quote, You think slavery is right and ought to be extended, while we think it is wrong and ought to be restricted. That, I suppose, is the rub, close quote. Yep, that was the rub. And the wrong, distorted view was rubbed out. Why we cannot celebrate that takes us back to the whole argument about learning history. We don't, and for all the wrong reasons. Thus propaganda reigns. But it is with humility I think we should concede to a view of the world that would dismiss Washington, Madison, Lincoln, and Douglas. A little humanity would go a long way today, but that too requires an understanding of human nature as much as it does an understanding of history. So we have a U.N. ambassador that stands with Roger B. Taney, and as I say, the Confederate reading of American history and American America's founding. No surprise that. And she agrees with the ideological and historical foundations behind the flag her side tells us should come down from southern capitals. Here's how Jefferson David put, Davis put it, quote, We recognize the Negro as God and God's book of God's laws in nature as the way he tells us to recognize him, inferior, fitted expressly for servitude, close quote. Jefferson Davis was the president of the Confederacy. Alexander Stevens, the vice president. Alexander Stevens put the founding in history this way, quote, the prevailing ideas entertained by Thomas Jefferson and most of the leading statesmen at the time of the formation of the old constitution were that the enslavement of the African was in violation of the laws of nature, that it was wrong in principle, socially, morally, politically. They rested upon the assumption of the equality of races. This was an error. It was a soundy, sandy foundation, and the government built upon it fell when the storm came and the wind blew. Our new government is founded upon expressly the opposite idea. Its foundations are laid, its cornerstone rests upon the great truth that the Negro is not equal to the white man, that slavery subordination to the superior race is the natural and normal condition, close quote. Got it? The Confederacy viewed Thomas Jefferson as wrong. Robert B. Taney put it this way, the black man had no rights which the white man was bound to respect. Each and every one of those foregoing theories is what you hear about our founding today in America's classrooms. And now our U.N. ambassador. This is the view of our founding, that slavery was seen to be a good thing. This is the view of the, if not the purpose of the 1619 Project. There was another view, articulated most profoundly by the very man whose name was removed from a high school in San Francisco this year. Abraham Lincoln would put things more like this, quote, 
Wise statesmen as they were, they knew the tendency of prosperity to breed tyrants, and so they established these great self-evident truths that when in the distant future some man, some faction, some interest should set up the doctrine that none but rich men or none but white men were entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, their posterity might look up again to the Declaration of Independence and take courage to renew the battle which their fathers began so that truth and justice and mercy and all the humane and Christian virtues might not be extinguished from the land so that no man would hereafter dare to limit and circumscribe the great principles on which the Temple of Liberty was being built, close quote. That was Lincoln. Here was more Lincoln. Quote, when Judge Douglas says he boldly denies that the Declaration of Independence includes Negroes at all, I protest against that counterfeit logic. Slavery is founded in the selfishness of man's nature, opposition to it in his love of justice. Repeal the Missouri Compromise. Repeal all compromises. Repeal the Declaration of Independence. Repeal all past history. You still cannot repeal human nature. It still will be the abundance of man's heart that slavery extension is wrong. Lincoln said this, Our adversaries, the Confederate states, have adopted some declarations of independence in which, unlike the good old one written by Jefferson, omits the words, all men are created equal. Why? They have adopted a temporary national constitution in the preamble of which, unlike our good old one signed by Washington, they omit we the people and substitute we the deputies of the sovereign and independent states. Why? Why this deliberate pressing out of view the rights of men and the authority of the people? And Lincoln put it this way, My countrymen, if you have been taught doctrines conflicting with the great landmarks of the Declaration of Independence, if you have listened to suggestions which would take away from its grandeur and mutilate the fair symmetry of its proportions, if you have been inclined to believe that all men are not created equal in those inalienable rights enumerated by our Charter of Liberty, let me entreat you to come back. Return to the fountain whose waters spring close by the blood of the Revolution. Come back to the truths that are in the Declaration of Independence. Do not destroy the immortal emblem of humanity, the Declaration of Independence. Close quote. Again, one side believed in the natural rights based on our common humanity as articulated in the Declaration of Independence, and one side believed our Declaration of Independence was a lie. One side believed our Constitution was meant to embrace the first understandings, and one side believed it was meant to embrace the second. The side of the first in both cases was bigger than the side of the second. The side of the first in both cases won the Civil War. And today we arrive at a national pedagogy that instructs us in the rightness and morality and history of the second side, the second theory, the losing side, the losing theory, that our founders meant to make slavery entrenched and forever in the United States. And our children are increasingly bombarded, not just with those thoughts, but with the junk thought that leads them to believe an anthem to our nation is an anthem to slavery. It is not. It is an anthem to the greatest nation in the history of the world that has given more freedom to more people than any other country in the history of the world. Next speech from our UN ambassador, I expect her to call us what Khrushchev did, colonialist and imperialist. She already got the racist part 
of the Khrushchev triad. We need to open an American desk at the U.S. mission to the United Nations. There are enough anti-American ones that they don't need the U.S. representative to be taken by Stockholm Syndrome to join those backward gaggles. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602508 Don is in Phoenix. Hello, Don. Yeah, hi, Seth. Can you hear me? I can, sir. Thank you. All right. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday to you. Well, I was listening to your monologue and what the uh, UN ambassador statements, and um, I mean, they just keep pushing it farther and farther uh with the rhetoric mm-hmm. and and i think um I'm, i feel like the uh democrats running the government it's become like an intolerable evil versus a necessary evil hmm. Hmm. and the reason i feel that way is they don't care about race relations or slavery they don't care about the border and the disaster they've created down there they don't care about middle east peace that you know they say they do but it's like they intentionally destroy race relations destroy the border destroy um you know they destroy everything um purposefully to grow their business it's they run the government like a business like where i work that's my main goal is to grow the business, even though I'm not the owner and we have grown and it's job security for me. And that's all it is to them is job security. They create a disaster at the border. They throw, they charge us more tax money. They throw money at it to fix it supposedly. And they hire a bunch more bureaucrats and they're growing their business. It's like a business model and they're not, we're not getting representation. We deserve uh, from the Democrat party. Nobody is. They're just there to grow their business. And when President Trump was in there and started fixing everything, you know, then they couldn't have that. That's not good for their business. And that I'm, con- I'm convinced that's their business model, just to grow their own business. And they, you know, platitudes and this and that, they don't care about any of that stuff. They don't care about the citizens. Those poor people at the border, I mean, our hearts break, you know, hearing for years. I mean, we've been listening to this for years back 2014, 2012, whenever, you know, a lot of Arizona representatives, I think even you also were involved in trying to get into those facilities back then and try to, you know, see what's going on in there. Because, you know, it's just inhumane, the treatment that they get. So, but, uh, yeah, I think it's a business model to them. They're just trying to grow their business like the rest of us working in private business. So, Does there ever come a point at which they are satisfied that the destruction stops? No. That's the left for you. They're never satisfied. It just keeps you giving an inch, they take a mile, and then they take, they're take. they trying to take a light here now. You know, they just, they're going for the gold now, it seems. Well, the first they're part just- of what you said, Don, reminded me of what Dennis Prager likes to point out, which is whatever the left touches, it ruins, it destroys. Yeah. 
That's the first part, and you gave a pretty good list, and it could go on longer and longer, further yeah. and further. I would include, and I always want to include these days, especially professional athletics, because who thought that would be susceptible? And is there, a, uh, on the one hand, and on the other hand, is there a greater institution that represents a united um, apolitical people than the gathering around at a, a professional sports game? Is there anything uh, less less political and more patriotic uh, and uh, culturally and socially entertaining? And the answer is no, and they've ruined that too. They've ruined that too. I um, yeah. And we can t- certainly talk about churches and synagogues. We can certainly talk about entertainment. We can talk about journalism. We can talk about almost every institution in American life that they have touched and ruined. And 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 at a relatively quick rate now. Um, oh, yeah. You know, at first it was slow, and now it seems fast. Can you imagine a U.N. ambassador under Jimmy Carter calling America a country of white supremacy? Andrew Young was his U.N. ambassador. He was recalled for simply saying nice things about the Palestinian Liberation Organization. Uh, this this never would have been tolerated by the Jimmy Carters. I don't know if it would have been tolerated by Barack Obama or not, but I have to tell you, I think it would have been because Barack Obama himself went to the United Nations and beat his breast over America's racism, particularly calling out and citing Ferguson, Missouri. So this 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 Democratic Party that has um, that has uh, has become represented by the Obamas and the Bidens, uh, embraces now and covers, of course, the Pelosi's and the Bernie Sanders and the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's. It's it's a rather large party, but it's a rather left-wing party. And the reason I th- I think I could um, I, I I could give you as a proof to that is if Bernie Sanders were to have won the primaries in the general election, what would he be doing differently than Joe Biden today? The answer is nothing. He'd be doing nothing differently. Uh, Kamala Harris would be doing nothing differently. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez would be asking for nothing differently, not not in any decisive respects, Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe possibly on the margins, a little more money here and there. But other than that, um, nothing. And I, I will, um, I, I will tell you this too, Don. Um, the the notion that American spokesmen on the world stage can say that this country is a country uh, steeped in and founded in white supremacy, that that won't make much news, is itself to me astounding. It would have been a fireable offense. It would have been a fireable offense from 1945 to 2008. And it would have been a fireable offense, justifiably, because it's a libel, which by definition is false.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 602-508-0960 is the number. Dylan's in Phoenix. Hello, Dylan. Hey, Seth. How are you doing, Seth? I, I am well, sir. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Thank you for asking. Seth, I'm a little irritated with this whole race battle going on nowadays. And the reason I'm irritated with it is because you have uh, people of color that are so blinded by the smoke and mirrors, not all of them. Racism is extremely real. Uh, It's just not as bad as what the left makes it sound. Uh, To make the last guy's point that was just speaking, it's a business model, and they're really, really good salesmen. They're creating a demand so they can give you the supply of let's give you extra money, let's give you scholarships, let's give you welfare, let's do all of this stuff. And they're so blinded by all this free stuff that they're given that they don't realize that they're being taken advantage of. And not all of them. But when you have actual racism going on and you're trying to call uh, voter ID a racist thing, you're just watering down the term racism. And you're making that person that's actually getting beaten up for being a certain color, you're making what they're going through less, uh, I won't say less important, but you're making it less real by saying everything's racist. Yeah, let's take an example of that that I I, I think was – was very prominent, and that and that was the case of the um, that was the case of the uh, uh, the Atlanta shootings that uh, took the lives of uh, s- several several people, including was it five or seven Asian women, Asian American women, and we seven. it was seven, and that was all we knew about them, all we knew about them was that they were Asian American. We didn't know anything. We didn't know their names. We didn't know their life story. We didn't know whether they had families. I will tell you this, though, that they were Asian American was probably the least important thing to their friends and to their family members. Uh, we, we, We turned the value and unique and great individual value of life into, um, as you put it, as you put it, Dylan, into into a watered down concept that it matters less than race. And it, it's just infuriating because uh, so I'm I'm 100 percent Caucasian. That is my. And how opinion. old are you? 28 years old. Uh huh. I and I'm Christian. I am, or what I feel to be, and I'm not playing victim here, but I am a target in the United States right now. I am the enemy to a lot of different people because I am a white male who believes in God. And that's just as racist as anything else, but I'm not sitting there playing victim. It doesn't matter what color I am. What really irritates me is that my niece is... Uh, half black. My nephew is full black, and they actually have to live with this, and they have to be looked at when they're out with their uncle, myself. They have to be looked at and judged because they're with a white guy. They're walking around with a white guy, and it's disgusting. It hurts me to actually watch people stare us down, and it doesn't hurt me 
because they're looking at me. It hurts me because they're looking at my niece and nephew who don't understand yet why they're being looked at like that. And it, it sucks. It, it needs to stop. People are people. I could care less what color of skin you are. If you're a good person, you're a good person. If you're a bad person, you're a bad person. Dylan, I, um, I want uh, my producer, Bill, to cut this part of this uh, call of yours. I want to replay it again later today and at the end of the week, perhaps tomorrow. You said something in about two to three minutes that has taken me hours upon hours to summarize as concisely and as impactfully as you did. And I just want to thank you for that. And I hope you'll call again. And um, if you keep listening, you will hear parts of this call again and again because you did a very nice job of it, Dylan. Thank you for that. My heart is with you and your family. It didn't have to be this way. Do call again soon. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Let's see, where are we going to next? Jim in Phoenix. Hi, Jim. Hey, how you doing? Good. Um, Here's what I think the left has done so successfully, is they're using the the military, you know, shock and awe or give overwhelming force. Just think about how many different ideas we we you know we on the right on the conservative side are battling you know there's climate then they went to police brutality then they started having white racism then you get to argue about voter id income inequality guaranteed income illegal versus undocumented on the uh, terms you're a science denier you know amnesty they just throw everything out there and you know people like me it's like well what battle do i pick you know, not to mention how it can exhaust a people, you know, it can. Oh, God, yes. I, you know, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that um, when I call this the crisis industrial complex, I, I want it to have a lot of implications as to why the left is invested in a constant ever cascading flow of crises that they put yep. in front of our faces. <clears throat> One of them is to distract, obviously, if we're in a constant mm-hmm. state of agitation. Uh, two is to continually portray how uh, much this country needs, requires radical transformation. Yeah, It's quite a list you read. We could make a bigger one of all the things oh. they think need radical transformation. Pretty soon about, you're talking about just, every part of this country, right? Yeah, I spent one minute listing it. Yeah, yeah, like, yep, yeah. It's not. It's not. And then, you know, <laughs> the only thing that I'm concentrating on now is I've got to keep working with the local school board and fight what they're putting in. I mean, I went to that Litchfield meeting. I know what's happening at your Valley. And oh, for your listeners out there, a reminder, if you've taken your kids out and put them in a charter school or a parochial school, Use that donation form that takes your money straight off of your taxes, you know, because that way that's probably one way that people will realize 
state. We take the kids out of the school because we don't like it. We've got a charter of parochials. And now, too, it's like we're directing our tax dollars to them. And they now have till May 15th to do that. What a great call, Jim. What a great reminder. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Well, sir. take care. You do Bye. the same. Thank you very much. Let's go to uh, Michael in Phoenix. Hi, Michael. Hi, Seth. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. I got. I got. I do have to admit, I I got an allergic reaction to something. I'm just coughing a little bit, but it's fine. I suspect it'll go Are away. You okay? in about, yeah, I'm perfectly fine. I just had an allergic thing, and I'll be good in about thirty seconds. But go ahead. You okay. you can talk. <laughs> I can wait thirty seconds. No, go ahead. Go ahead. We're good. Uh, okay. No problem. Um, your caller, Dylan. I uh, that was just on just just previously. Uh, I, I, the 28 year old yes, young man yep. who's an uncle to, uh, um, you know, a, a, a black niece, black yeah. nephew, mm-hmm. yeah. and and that, I mean, he said something that the left keeps promoting, but yet they don't stick to it, and that was the words of Martin Luther King: "Judge not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character." Right. Okay, you're either a good person or you're a bad person. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. That's right. And the left, they constantly talk about Martin Luther King. Well, there's a couple odd things taking place here, Michael, from what I can tell, at least. And the first is, yes, the point you're either a good person or a bad person. That's the only distinction in life that matters you can get that from Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning. He says, you know, it's not that there was a good race and a bad race. Uh, the only races that are good and bad are the evil race and the decent race, the race of the evil and the race of the decent. And when Martin Luther King <clears throat> united this country, or at least the most important parts of this country, in the 1960s around the principle of character and not skin or character and not color, And he tied it back to America's founding and the Declaration of Independence and Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass. He gave this country something it could unite around. We could unite around a great cause, civil rights, by embracing the best of our uh, history and traditions. A few people had been able to do that like Martin Luther King, and that's what he did. And what the modern-day left is doing is unraveling all of that. And I think it's something like a national sin. I think it's something like a national sin to divide America along the crudest of lines just about the same time America was finally healed. It's as if you took a healing... Um, a healing uh, wound and uh, ripped the uh, ripped the uh, crust off it just at the time when it was making the best of its progress. I, 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 got, I, 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 I it's a sin what the left has done around that principle. It, 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 it's 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 pure insanity. I, I don't understand it. I mean, they're actually they're actually taking Abraham Lincoln's name off Correct. of schools now. Correct. Correct. And. Well, I, I don't even understand that. Here's the man who who freed slaves. He signed the the Emancipation Proclamation. He and yet they want to take his name off because he's associated with slavery. 
Yeah, it's worse than that. Uh, they want to take his name off because as the director of the Commission on Names in the San Francisco public school system said, Abraham Lincoln didn't think black lives mattered. But, you know, you get rid of Lincoln, Michael, <clears throat> you get rid of Jefferson, you get rid of Washington, you get rid of Frederick Douglass. Um, that's how you also change a culture and a country, by changing its history. The Marxist left is at work hard to do that in this country, I think. I think. Uh, it's... I mean, so much is is happening. I mean, how many how many thousands of lives did we lose fighting a civil war to end slavery on both sides? And 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 yet they don't think the cost of all of those lives was enough that now we have to pay reparations. I re- thank you, Michael. I remember circa nineteen ninety eight before Chris Matthews had lost it. <clears throat> he was. Um, on the C-SPAN Morning Journal uh, uh, television show on C-SPAN, and a caller, the reparations debate was popular around that time too, and a caller asked Christopher Matthews, they said, uh, what's your view on slavery reparations? And Chris Matthews said, 600,000 Americans dead, reparations enough. And the host looked at him and said, anything else? Chris Matthews said, nope. Next call. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It's your show. It's uh, all, uh, all open to you. You guys are in a, uh, in a great and inquisitive and talkative mood today, so that's wonderful. I got rid of a guest we had scheduled. The show is yours, 602-508-0960. Demetrius is in Phoenix. Hi, Demetrius. Uh, hi, Seth. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for calling. I'm. Uh, I was rather. Uh, was rather shocked when I heard our UN representative speak the way she did about the country I love so much. My family uh, fled socialism and racism. And uh, my father was just enamored with the Constitution and our Bill of Rights. And he instilled that in us to the point where before we could eat, we had to recite the preambles of the Constitution. No kidding. And then when I, I, uh, when I heard her, uh, Demetrius, I, 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 I got to pause you there because that's lovely, as I understood it. Before you guys could eat as a prayer, you had to recite the preamble to the Constitution growing up. Yes. That's a beautiful yes. thing. That's a beautiful thing. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. You know, and the thing that kills me about uh, about what she said is that I'm losing friends now because of their of their attitude where they feel that this country is a detriment to them racially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was taught by my father that, you know, you're no better than anybody else. 
but at the same time, nobody's better than you. Yeah, that's right. And you're to treat every, and you're to treat everybody the same. All right. As long as they respect you. I, I spent thirty years in the military, and I don't see that. I, I I just it just it just took my breath away. Uh, Demetrius, said, don't we have this, enough people that hate us? Yeah, this is you know, a. Um, I have to take a top-of-the-hour break here. I don't know if you have more time to uh, stay with me. If you do, I'd love to pick it up on the other side with you and others. Because what I want to ask you is, when did this change and what caused it? Um, When did it change and what caused this change? Because it's not what I remember 15 years ago either or 30 years ago or 40 years ago. Um. 602-508-0960 is the number. And in the interim, Demetrius, thank you for your call and your service to our country. If you got more, please hold. Come back to you.